Okay, well, welcome to episode Fed3 podcast. I appreciate all the support that people have lent me over the past week as we've rebranded this, for those that know. Um, and just to catch everybody up to speed with things that we've uh, done here, we ran a podcast for a number of years called the uh, Out From The Cube podcast, uh, with the idea being kind of getting out of your cubicle, getting more engaged in your work environment, but also getting out of the cubicle and the box that is in your head. Um, and that that served a purpose for a while and was uh, doing well. And we appreciated the support of that podcast. We rebranded that later in its uh, lifetime. Um, so there are podcasts out there. If you were to go to Spotify or Apple or Google and did a search on um, out from the cube, or if you also searched from leading from the arch, there weren't that many with that last name, but there were a few out there with my co-host Joe Quinn, who's uh, an entrepreneur and um, spent some time with him this past weekend. And he was um, really excited about the direction his, uh, his career is going and his new endeavors that he has. So um, but we did a number of episodes together and I hope to have him on again here in the next while to catch up and see what's been going on with him and uh, his business that he started um, about 16 or so months ago. It's gone really well for him. Um, but this new podcast is uh, titled Dead 3. Go back to episode one where we talk about the name change and what that name means and the purpose of this new podcast and what we're hoping to get from this. So I know the first two podcasts have been uh, lengthy in nature, meaning uh, that they, it takes more than just one car ride uh, to work to get through both of them. I, some of the literature I've received, is, uh, not literature I've received, but some of the literature I've read online and people I've spoke with about running a podcast, it's definitely a 40-minute uh, um, podcast seems to be kind of that wheelhouse for people uh, because maybe that's the length of time it takes to get to work. Um, and and uh, I really appreciate some of the people that have come out up to me and sent me some emails and things like that. And some of the comments that people have given to me on LinkedIn, the best way to get in touch with me though, is on LinkedIn, uh, George Evian, E V J E N. Um, and appreciate that feedback that you've received. One, one thing that you have to be willing to do, right. Um, have some friends, my background, for those that don't know, my background is in coaching and, uh, basketball athletics is where I've spent most of my career. Although I've been out of that professionally where I'm receiving a paycheck for doing that. It's been 15 or so years. My, my oldest son is 14. So add a year to that. So 15 years, um, that I've been out of receiving a paycheck in the athletic space, but I feel like I'm as a friend of mine in the professional world once said, they said, George, you are a coach, right? You you may be receiving a paycheck for doing other things, but my heart, my soul, my blood, my mind is always centered around coaching and leadership and building teams and, and people and things of that nature. So, but one of the things I received from a coaching friend of mine this past week was a text message, right? Um, and, you know, something you, you have to be willing as a leader, now, this isn't a coaching thing. This isn't an, a basketball thing. This is a leadership thing. You have to, uh, you have to know your heart, your intent, your direction, your vision, your mission, your outcomes. Like, where do you want to be at the end of this game, this season, the next four seasons, with certain players and certain releases? If you're in the software world or sales and quarterly and all that, you need to know where you're at, what you're going, but you need to know your heart. And you need to know your intent. You need to know why you're doing this. You need to know your why, right? Your purpose. And I know those are buzzwords. I saw a Twitter um, video this morning. It was like, it was maybe two minutes long, this video on Twitter. And it was this, I don't know if they were poking fun at it. I don't know if they were serious about it, but it was in a, introductory press conferences for college basketball coaches, it just happened to be basketball coaches. You could probably take any sport, but it was either the coach that is now being hired or it is an athletic director or a president um, introducing a new coach. But it was a mashup of a whole bunch of these press conferences, and they kept saying the culture, the culture, 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 culture. Like that is the buzzword, right? It is this culture, right? Um and it was this, it was a complete mashup. I ended up smiling about it because it was uh, these coaches that are talking about changing the culture, building the culture. The culture is the most important thing and how you develop a culture and the people we need to build this culture and the culture that I'm going to bring and the language to the culture, right? That is definitely a buzzword. And it's not just in the athletic space. It's not just athletic directors. It's not just head coaches being hired. It is in the business world. Every, you know, you need to know your purpose, your intent, your heart the culture you're building. And you've got to be able to stand on those 
mountains by yourself. And we talked about this in episode two about kind of mentoring and, and what you sign up for. Right. Um, but anyway, back to the, the, the kind of this message, right. I, and I, I, I got this message from a, a friend of mine that I really support and really look up to and admire and the work that he's doing and, and the, the environment he's building and where he started and, and where his program has gone and all that. But it was this, you know, you sign up to be criticized. You signed up to be told you're not good enough. You sign up to be told you should be fired. Like you sign up for that. Like I was telling Cam, my, my son, Camden, my oldest, on the way to school, I was like, the, the world of coaching and the world of leadership is you, that you are signing up to be fired. Very few coaches, very few leaders have that Bill Belichick, Phil Jackson, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, you know, and for those that don't know, those are, you know, famous coaches, right? That they can just sit there and call their shot and say, I'm staying here until they fire, you know, Bill Self at Kansas. He's not getting fired. Krzyzewski wasn't getting fired. There, there's very few of those. So everybody's really signed up. And then the, the only, the other, other reason you don't get fired is, you know, to move up the ladder. But even if you move up and you move up to the next great challenge, great, you know, be, a better, better, uh, you know, opportunity, there's always going to be that, okay, well now this may be that place where, you know, you get let go. Right. So you've got to be willing, you've got to sign up for that. You've got to know that. And you've got to be able to be one of two people, I believe. And this is me just kind of thinking off the top of my head. There may be more, right. The, of, Hey, I'm going to ignore all the noise. I'm going to ignore all the criticism. I'm going to ignore the sport page and the internets and the Twitters. And I'm not getting into that. And I'm just going to roll or I'm going to consume it all. I'm going to take it all in and I'm going to post it on a bulletin board because that's my fuel. That's my fuel to, uh, to prove people wrong. There's a story about Mike Krzyzewski when he was the head coach at Duke and in his first year, first or second year, they're playing Virginia on the road in the ACC tournament. ACC is the conference and league they play in. And they got blown out 30 points. 40 points. They got blown out in the conference tournament. And I don't believe it to be that it may have been the championship game. It may have been the first round, but it was in his first or second year. And he struggled his first or second year. And when he struggled his first or second year, all these people came out. Now they didn't have Twitter back in the day. So he's just kind of reading, you know, news clippings and things like that. And they didn't have message boards and internet, right? He may not have survived it back then. Right. And, you know, I think that he's with a, a round table of his best friends. And they're all sitting up there and, and somebody, you know, does a toast, you know, here is to forgetting tonight and forgetting the 30, 40, 50 point loss that they may have had. And Krzyzewski kind of slammed his fist on the ground. And he said, here's to not forgetting tonight, right? That was his fuel of getting your ass kicked, of not doing well, of having people wanting you fired, of people hanging you in effigy from tree branches, whatever it might be as uh, when you return to your house or your neighborhood, right? That they did for him and for others. Uh, like, I think there's a story about Dean Smith of having to deal with that when he was at Carolina, right? So it's always a slow burn of success and of failure and of taking your beatings. But to my earlier point, if you've got the locker room, if you've got your people, if you've got a vision, if you've got, uh, if, you, if people know your intent and heart, or if you know your intent and heart, right, then, then it's easier to kind of survive these storms that you might be going through, right? Because you know that, uh, you know, things nobody else knows, right? And so how does that uh, pertain to kind of leadership at the professional world? Like, you've got to know what your vision is, you've got to know what your intent and heart is, and you've got to know where you hope that this program, this this um, IT shop, this Salesforce, this car lot, whatever it is, right? We know what we're building, how we're building it. We know what this looks like in six, eight, 12, 16 months, five years, 10 years. We know what this looks like. How many beatings did Bill Gates and Bezos and, you know, Virgin Atlantic and, and Elon Musk and all these folks, right? How many times did they take their beatings, right? There's all the stuff that you can find online about the failures people had, right? Ed Milet, the people that I listen to and consume, you know, Ben Newman, uh, these folks that are talking about how many failures they had before they finally hit it. Jesse Itzler, who's a partial owner of the Atlanta Hawk, no, like nobody just hit it out of the park, right? It's so you got to be able to know, Hey, I know how this turns out. I know what the vision and all this sort of stuff is. So, um, you know, I, my encouragement to, you know, um, 
to a friend of mine that reached out to me this week was, you know, you hang that on your, you hang that on your poster, your poster board, or you hang that on a cork board or a dry erase board and you view it and you let that be your fuel, right? Um, you know, you're great. Your team knows you're great. Your program knows you're great. Your community, like, you know, you're great. You're headed, you know, we, we know the vision, mission and directive that you have. So, you know, hang that up and, uh, go out and win it. Let that be the fuel to your fire. So I'd encourage everybody to kind of do that as they go through there. Like nothing great is accomplished without some setbacks and failure and some criticism. Now I say that from somebody sitting behind a desk in a basement with a mic in his mouth. And it's very easy to, to have that message, right? It's much harder when you're on the field, right? Uh, when you're, you're in those uh, battles that are kind of being waged, right? But it's the same thing I do professionally, right? You look at these teams. I remember when I started, uh, where I'm currently at. And they, they mentioned that the team I was uh, going to be working with was uh, not as successful as they had hoped. Right. And they brought me in and I, I w I'm kind of very upfront with, you know, uh, kind of the, the things that are important to me in any team or any speaking engagement or any conversation I have about how we're building teams and what, like, I expect us to win. I expect us to have, you know, um, you know, effort and attitude and body language and communication and accountability and transparency and ownership and all this, man. But the first thing I typically do in any team that I've worked with or taken, uh, been asked to kind of lead is the idea of, Hey, let's figure out immediately what winning is. Right. And then let's work our way backwards. But I remember sitting around with the team saying at some point, somebody management executives leadership whomever it might be is going to sit in this room and watch you all work and they will recognize the organization and the the excitement and the execution and the delivery right that some at some point somebody will sit here and do that and you know being laughed at me being laughed at for that for that message and for putting that out there but it was also 8 months later when it happened right or getting called into meetings saying what you just did here, how do we now do that everywhere, right? How do we scale that, that execution and that delivery and that like, so I say that because whatever you're going through and the problems you're having uh, and the criticism and the frustration and the buy-in and the, uh, any public embarrassment, like all that, right? Know, know where you're trying to get to. If you, if you don't have a North Star, if you don't know where you're getting to, if you don't know what winning is, if you don't know what your Super Bowl is, right? If you don't know what those things are, then man, it's, then it's hard to continue every day to motivate, inspire, lead, direct, and to get people moving and, and, and have some passion moving towards that win. Like, I immediately have to know what my Super Bowl is. I have to know what winning is. I have to know what being a champion is. I have to know what being a lead is I like, and I, that's my background in coaching and I do it in the professional world. I can't move forward on a daily grind without knowing how myself or my team or my organization is going to win, right? It's easy when you're a basketball coach and you say, Hey, we're playing in the, the OVC and the Ohio Valley and like winning to us is winning our league. Winning is going to get to the NCAA tournament, winning a game or two. Like you always got to know where your kind of milestones and, and Super Bowls and wins are in the professional world. Like what we do right now with the company I'm at is there's these big events every year and there are things we have to get done on those big events, right? There's something in the spring, there's something in the fall or like, and then there are big events that we've got to have deliverables at and they have to have the quality and they have to have a certain level of, uh, you know, features and execution and being able to demo certain things and then be able to make sure those are in our products, right? That's perfect. That's perfect for me because I know May and October, there's a Super Bowl, right? And we've all got to figure out how we can deliver on those those wins. Right. And so it's very easy for me in, in some of that. Um, so making sure you know that, but then making sure that you're always moving towards those things, but you know what the, listen to the episode one, where we really talk about carving out the values of a program. Right. And so those things are important. And again, I, I start to understand why these things end up being 50 minutes. I haven't really got to the bullet points to cover today, but there's just some feedback we've received from this podcast, right? Already. We're only three episodes in granted. I have an older podcast. Um, that allows us, you know, so there's some backstory to all this, right. And got a different mic. Now I went out and actually I'm building a studio here in my basement. It's a partially finished basement. I've got 
I don't have any of this up on YouTube quite yet, but we've got um, the basements moving forward and, and we'll go to YouTube once it's kind of finished and I'm done building the studio, but we have nicer mics, I guess, than what I was using in the past. And so um, excited about uh, some of these things that we're doing, you know, it's, um, you know, there's, a, there's a lot on my mind and, and it's easy to kind of get going with certain things, but, and, uh, but the one thing that I want to talk about, these are sport things that happened this week to me sport things that I saw observed or were a part of this week, right? I'm trying to, um, you know, learning so many lessons from the group I'm working with. Um, I work with a, an athletic team off hours from my professional life. And I can't tell you working with young athletes, the amount of leadership lessons, team development, lesson, personal development, leadership, team dynamics, carving out your wins. Like I mentioned to something, I ran into somebody yesterday and they asked, they knew I was working with this team. Hey, how are things going? How are things going? And I, here's what kind of stinks about athletic coaching. No, the people that are evaluating, criticizing, saying you're not good enough or saying you're great, right? Or whatever it might be, right? They are, they're there for about an hour and a half a week, three hours a week. So they have no context. They're just seeing you take the exam. They're seeing you take the exam. And then at the end of the day, if you lose by a point, they're looking at that exam as a failure and they're criticizing. And this is what's funny about athletics. You lose a game by a point, one point, and then you're going to be criticized over and over again, potentially. And it usually happens. I do the same thing. I do the same thing as a coach, man. We lose by a point. We immediately go in the locker room and tell the, tell the players four or five, six things. And sometimes we get after them. And sometimes we sit there and rattle off in a calm way. Hey, these are the things that cost us the game. And you start getting frustrated. One bucket, one bucket winning by a point changes the entire conversation. You know, now you're, being patted on the back, essentially. You're going in the locker room talking about three or four or five things that you did. We we played a game a few weeks ago and we were up. I I we were we were up essentially and the team we were playing hit a literally a half court shot at the buzzer. A half court shot at the buzzer. He doesn't make that shot and let's say we win. It's a completely different conversation. Like so you like and then the people that are kind of getting after you, they're not a part of that they're not a part of the two hours at practice. They're not a part of the film session. They're not a part of a text message thread. Well, you know, so, but I've been with these folks and they've been asking me about how our season's going. And I think it's been great, but our record doesn't reflect that. Right. So as you kind of coach and professionally, this isn't a basketball thing. Not everybody's present. The criticism you might be, and you could sit there and say, man, you know what? Our team is coming around. These people are coming around. The language is getting better in terms of communication, the acknowledgement, the celebration, the execution, the delivery, but people may be looking at it differently, right? So you kind of own that message and own that with your team. Know your outcomes, know your goals, know what you're trying to win, know what your Super Bowl is, um, and nobody else has that context. And that's what's hard about coaching and leadership. That's why you stand on the hill alone. And that's why it's frustrating because you could sit there and say, man, our record doesn't reflect it. We're not getting the sales we want. We have new people, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you're standing on the hill saying, I'm celebrating this team. This has been great. We're getting better because I know we're going to take our shots. People are going to get after us. People are going to say X, Y, and Z. But I know six, eight, 12 months down the road, I know what this looks like. And are we moving towards that are we moving towards that win? Absolutely. So you got to be able to drown out the noise or you got to be able to embrace that noise and post it because they don't know. My friend that gets this bad text message or whatever it might be that he received about, you know, some criticism. The person that that criticism came from has no idea. Right. And my buddy could be sitting there saying we're moving in the right direction. Right. We're moving in the right direction. So I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this because there's a lot that this lot that like 90%, 95%, they just happen to be present for the final exam. But here's the, here are the two things that I've learned from sports this, uh, that I saw in sports this week that I really wanted to share with you as it relates to your, and this isn't basketball. This is just leadership. 
this is, these are things that I want to do professionally with my groups professionally. These are conversations I would like to have with the people I work with that are leaders. These are the conversations I would have if I were on a stage public speaking. These are the conversations I would have with young athletes and, and things of that nature. Right? So the first thing, but these are sports related. The one thing I would like to say is there's a there's a a coach at Texas A&M Buzz Buzz Williams. Buzz has been around. Buzz is a unique guy and Buzz is a great guy. I used to know him a little bit. He would have no idea who I am now, but back in the day when I, you know, which is now 30 years ago, um we we knew each other somewhat well, right? Um this happened Texas A&M is on the road playing at Florida. So they're on the road. Texas A&M is, uh, this is basketball we're talking about. They're in the SEC. I think a and doing okay. Buzz does an amazing rebuild job, right? He would be an amazing guest here, right? This idea of taking over good programs, but maybe programs that are struggling, right? He took over a New Orleans program. He took over a Marquette program that was doing well, that had been to a Final Four. He took that over, and I believe that then he took over Virginia Tech, and and that has never been great. Uh, I shouldn't say that. They have they hadn't been as great as maybe they wanted to be or have been in the past, and then and then he went back home because he's a Texas boy and went back to Texas A&M went to Texas A&M and took that program over. But he's always done a great job in a rebuild, and a rebuild typically takes three or so years, right? So as he takes this rebuild over, you know, I what I appreciate about him is just go, you know, look at the hat, like find Buzz Williams on Instagram. Like you all should do that, right? Uh, even the, the the people that listen to this are my, that are my buddies and, and support the podcast and the message that we have here, right? Buzz is a great follow. Talk about, you know, coaching, young athletes, building a program, building a culture, 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 like I mentioned on Twitter, but also building, you know, being a better parent, right? Um, Buzz does a great job with this stuff, but Buzz, this is what happened at Florida. So they're staying in a hotel. He's with his managers, his team, assistant coaches, his staff, right? All his support staff that A&M gets at a place like that. And then they end up going to the game. They all get on the, they get on the bus, they go to the game, they go to Florida, they get off, they're in the locker room, they're getting ready for the game, there's warm-ups, I don't know how they're warming up, I don't know the time on the clock, I don't know kind of the, the very deep details of game day operations in terms of timing and all that. But then it comes time to get suited up to play the game. And they sit there and go, oh, we do not have our uniforms. We don't, like, they forgot the uniforms back at the hotel. So I think the game officials get together with Buzz and the head coach at Florida, and they sit there and talk about what they're going to do because somebody, the bus, needs to get back to the hotel and they need to round up these uniforms and get back to the arena and all that sort of stuff, get everybody dressed and get everybody ready. So that's kind of the lay of this land, right? I love this story because this 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 will make sense in a second. I I really, really, this story impacted me. Right. So they forget these uniforms. So what they do is the officials and I hadn't seen this done ever. Right. I've only seen technical fouls called before the ball is in the air when high school athletes will dunk it or college. I don't I don't know what the, what the rules are in college anymore. Right. But in high school, if you dunk a basketball or hang on the rim or pull the rim down or whatever it is, I think it's an automatic technical. So before the game starts, they'll issue a technical to whomever the bench, the coach, the player. I, I don't know. Right. Um, and they shoot free throws and you could be down one, nothing, two, nothing, whatever it is. So it, at Florida, they called a technical because they weren't ready because there was a delay of game because the game was going to start at a certain time. And then they decided that they were not going to be able to start at that time. And so because there was a delay of game, they gave them a technical. So that's the background to this story. Right. And so I, this is what happened. After the game, post, so I think they started off the game one to nothing, two to nothing, something like that, and then they did the jump ball. So already, A&M is down, right? And in the world of college basketball, like, there are some coaches, you know, that just – that, like, would be furious with that and be throwing water coolers all over the place, right? I mean, the livelihood of, of them and their program, and you're on the road at Florida, and you're already down one nothing. I get it. I'd be hot, too. And you go to the managers. Who forgot this? Who forgot to grab the uniforms? I've been a manager. 
I was a manager at the University of Utah. I don't, I can't speak to, I don't remember actually if I was ever like that guy in charge of uniforms on the road and things like that. Um, I don't believe I was. Um, and so I've been there. So man, what a, what a frustrating spot to be in as a manager when you're 18, 19, 20 years old working for a college program, an SEC program, and you forgot the uniforms in the hotel. So after the post game, the game goes floor, uh, uh, A&M ends up taking a lead 12, 13 points on the road at Florida. They end up winning by four, I believe. So they win a close game. They win right after the press conference. They asked buzz about this situation. I do not have it in front of me. I don't know verbatim what he said, but this is in essence what he said. I forgot the uniforms in my hotel room. We left them up there so they weren't wrinkly. Um, We had them on hangers. They were in my closet and I forgot them. When it was all said and done, I made sure we went back and got them from my hotel room and we got them here and it's my fault and I'll make sure that it never happens again. And I read that and I know Buzz a little bit personally like I know but like he again he wouldn't remember me at all but I know him I've met him I know his intent and heart I consume all his content because he actually puts out a fair amount of content on Instagram and Twitter and he does a lot of public speaking he goes to different places and his message is 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 inspirational like I I dig the guy right and I'm sitting there going well that's him right like I I couldn't imagine him getting at so this is what some coaches may have done yeah we jacked that up and so and so jacked it up maybe they wouldn't give a name but he'd say man our managers messed that up and we've got to like i i I could imagine a coach saying we've got to find better managers right i i there was a story of a coach that uh, a friend of mine um mark pope who's a head coach at byu told me this story once about a coach and i won't give the coach's name but they just had a crazy good season crazy good season and this person is interviewed by cbs sports after the game in the locker room or something like that and he this this coach is upset that they lost and just really upset which i get you get you have a very important game it may have been a final four game but you get you get that far you have this great season and you're prepared and you just happen to lose a game man that sucks and then all of a sudden you got to give an interview yeah that sucks too right and then you got to sit there and the comment was we just got to get better players. Wow. Like that's a crazy comment. You just, you've got these players, you just finish a game things don't go well. Right. And you just sit there and you say, man, we've got to get better players. And I remember talking to Pope about that. And he was like, yeah, that turned like, that's a, that's a comment. You can't like, you, you shouldn't say that. And what you, not that you shouldn't say, it. you probably shouldn't think it. You should sit there and say, man, those 12, 15 young men that I have in the locker room are the best group of people I've ever been around and we made it this far and had a great season, right? It's always knowing your outcomes and your intent and your heart and leading young men, right? But it's also the same idea of, man, we need better managers. But what did Buzz do? Buzz immediately owned, he didn't say anything about those managers. What he did say as it related to managers is this, he, he started as a manager. And I don't, I forget where, like he got, I believe he got his degree at Texas Arlington and he worked for certain people. No, that's not true. He got his degree, I believe from like Oklahoma city an NAIA school where he was a manager. So he was, and especially at the NAIA level, I believe Oklahoma city was at where like, you got to do it all. Like if you're a manager, man, you're, you're doing it all. You're taping, you're sweeping, you're taping ankles, sweeping floors, doing, doing laundry late at night, doing all the filming. Like, like you're, you're grinding it. Right. And he said, I think in this post-game interview, he, he put it all on himself. I forgot this stuff. But then he also said, I worked as a manager as well growing up. And my boss, my head coach, would have done the same, would have done the same thing, would have said the same thing. So what does that have to do with our professional lives? Man, like there, there's an importance to that. There's a frustration to that there's a huge loss to that, right? That that's a losing thing, right? And you've got like the person in charge, the person running the organization, the person that is the face of the organization, the leader of the entire organization. He had nothing to do with that. I like, I I believe that to be true. I, I believe Buzz Williams at Texas A&M had nothing to do 
with the uniforms, being there or not being there. He entrusted people to do it, to do their job. I don't believe a head coach at AM getting ready for a Florida game in the SEC on the road is sitting there making sure that the uniforms are clean, pressed, dried, wrinkle-free, hanging up in closets and are ready to be packed up and taken on. I don't believe that to be true. It could be, could be. But I don't believe, I believe that he's probably empowered his people to do their jobs. And they messed it up, but he essentially said, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I messed up and it won't happen again. So what do you do as a leader? Are you owning the, are you owning the uh, uniforms not being there? Are you own like, I don't believe this is how buzz works. I know this isn't how I would work. I know people do operate this way. Where on the level of importance and value and contribution and significance are managers in a basketball or football or program, a secretary, a trainer, right? When we were uh, working in the college world many years ago, right? I always told our players in our, our, our program, our program. So anybody involved in our program, the three most important people in our program were the secretary trainer and uh, the secretary, the trainer and the janitor, right? Keeping a gym clean. Like I, like our gym is clean. We, we can sweep the floor. We don't need people out here. We don't need people cleaning things up. Yeah. We can't tape our own ankles all the time because there's people that are experts at that. Yep. And then our secretary. So in the, but some people would sit there and say that the managers are the least are not that important. But Buzz puts a premium on it, and he owned it, and he didn't throw them under the bus. And when he probably may have chewed their ass out privately, hey, guys, we can't let this happen again. We can't, like, this can never happen again, and somebody's got to be in charge, and we messed up, and I'll own it. And I don't know how, like, I don't know. I know Buzz, again, I know him a little bit. I can't imagine him even doing, like, getting after him that hard. But but we've got to get better. So there's that, right? I, I thought that was really... Um, so you professionally own everything. There's a great book. Many of you've read it. I've talked about it before in a number of podcasts. It is the extreme ownership book by Jocko Willink, extreme ownership leaders own literally everything. And the first chapter is extreme ownership. They go through a number of things that leaders need to have. Second second chapter, I don't have the book in front of me. I'm just remembering this. It's the second or third chapter is there are no bad teams. There's only bad leaders, meaning you own it all. If your team sucks, it's on you. There's no bad teams. There's only bad leaders, right? Professionally, if your team's not executing, it's not their fault. You don't need to be like the coach I mentioned that, hey, we just need to find better players. No, that's on you. Build your team, build your people, build the process, take extreme ownership, sit there and say, man, our managers did not bring the uniforms and that's my fault. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. It's not their fault. I'm in charge of everything. So I thought that was a great lesson for me this week as it relates to, uh, you know, kind of extreme ownership, seeing it, seeing it on display, seeing people own that, seeing people have that conversation, protecting, protecting a vital piece of your organization and making sure that they know they're valued, they're important, and you're there to support them. And it's not just, I'm only going to get after you. I'm only going to really recognize you when things mess up, right? Um, I thought that was good. The other thing that I to bring up that I saw in sports this week was, and I mentioned it to the group I worked with yesterday, and I found this to be really good. There was a, a clip on uh, Twitter of a huddle. Jacques Vaughn is the head basketball coach for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I think they fired, yeah, Steve Nash was their coach. They fired him a few weeks, uh, a couple months ago, whatever it is, when the season started, right? So Jacques Vaughn became the interim. I don't remember if they hired him full-time or not, right? So they're, they're working in this timeout. They're down a point. There is six seconds left. He is drawing up a game-winning play. So he, like, you, and if you, you don't know basketball, if you're listening, if, if you don't know basketball, if you're listening to this, Right in the in the world of basketball for the Brooklyn Nets, they have two stars, two main players, two elite players, two Hall of Fame players, and one I regard as maybe a top five to top seven player ever to play the game. Right in Kevin Durant, so they've got Kevin Durant and they've got Kyrie Irving. They've got these two great players, and they're drawing up a game-winning shot. Jock Vaughn draws this play up. I think you know it's going to work, etc. 
And KD may have said that beforehand. I think he looked at him and said, this is going to work or something. Or maybe he said it after this example I'm giving you. But they break the huddle. And maybe some people walk away. But KD stops, takes a drink, something like that, looks at Coach Vaughn and says, listen. And I and he is a top, again, in my opinion, top five, seven, ten player in the, to ever play the game. I, I, I really like him and like his game. And he looks at Coach Vaughn and says, this is a great play for Kyrie. The play was, So the play was drawn up for KD, Kevin Durant, to take the last shot to win the game and to have – who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like being in a huddle? 15 people, five on the bench, coach drawing up a play and saying, all right, you, KD, you're getting the shot, right? Back in the old days, everybody knew the game-winning shot was going to Jordan. So they drop this game-winning play, and it's drawn up for Kevin Durant. Who doesn't like that? Like that that game is a it's gotta be an ego-driven league. So the point of this conversation is caring about the team, sacrificing for yourself, understanding what you're winning is, understanding an outcome, like understanding all of that, putting your ego aside, dealing with your ego, building a team. Like this is all about that. Everything I just mentioned is significant in building your program and building yourselves as a person. It's significant. And so he's sitting there and he gets this play and it's drawn up for him to win it. And he sits there in all calmness. And it wasn't like he was scared to do it. Maybe it was a matchup. Maybe it was the design of the play. Maybe it was how well somebody was doing. Maybe Kyrie was just having a game and he didn't feel like he wasn't afraid to take the shot. But he sits there and says, coach, this is a great play for Kyrie. So he, the coach looks at Kyrie, they're all calm. He's like, okay, let's do this for you. And then one of them says, either Kyrie or KD says, it's going to work. This will work. Kind of this affirmation, this, like when Shashevsky made, when they made the game winning shot against Kentucky and for our non-basketball people that you won't remember this unless you, unless you've watched this game. Right. But uh, Duke back in, um, Boy, I can't even remember the year. Yeah, 91. Back in 19, no, it was 92. Back in 1992, Duke hit a game-winning shot against Kentucky. And the first thing Coach K said to his team when they sat down in the huddle was, give me your eyes, and everybody locked in on him. So everybody gave him their eyes, and he said, we are going to win this game. We will win this game. (coughs) Excuse me. And so it kind of gives this confidence affirmation to everybody like, hey, chill out, get your emotions under control, get your mind clear. We're going to win this game. I have faith in you. I believe in you, believe in one another, believe in the person taking the shot and making the pass, et cetera. Right. So it calms everybody down immediately. Right. So he draws up this play and he says, hey, we're going to win this. This is a good play. Right. And they may not have said exactly we're going to win, but it's the idea of this. This will work. This will work. So then the clip then goes to the play and Kyrie hits a shot, right? I I don't know the play. I'm not going to describe it or anything, but he ends up making the shot, right? So what's the lesson in that? You know, the first lesson is extreme ownership and everything that you do with Buzz Williams. What a great lesson for not 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 just basketball teams, not people on basketball teams. For any leader out there listening to this, and I would like to say you're all leader regardless of title, parking spot, bonus structure, salary, time off, et cetera. You're all leaders. Everybody listening to this right now is leading. You don't need a title to lead, right? Including myself. So the mindset on the first example is, man, just own everything. And when something's going on, it's okay for you to say you messed up, even if it's, even if it's not. What a great thing that is professionally. Leaders have no idea what that does for your team. And if somebody messed up, the idea of just doing it privately. Could we have been better here? Could this have could we have gotten the uniforms there? Could this have been better? Yes, but I'm gonna own it all. And then privately you just correct it. Hey, let's get together with the managers and do that. So the first lesson is that I've talked about that enough, I guess. The second one is, man, just about ego and buy-in and giving other people shine and giving somebody else an opportunity and sitting there saying, hey, I know I can make this and I know I like my matchup and I know I'm a really good player. 
but let's run this for so-and-so. Let's run it for Kyrie. Let's run it for Sally, Susie, Bobby Joe, and Billy, and John. Let's do it. Let's let them have that at bat because they can do it. And, and okay, and it will work. So it's there's so many lessons in both of those. But on the last one, the idea of ego, of buy-in, of putting the shine and spotlight on somebody else, of then celebrating them when they get that success and really celebrating it, right? How hard is it to let somebody else shine, to let somebody else get the game-winning shot and for you not to? There, there's a story. How's about this story in parallel to that? What about this? And if, oh, you'd have to be a basketball fan to really un, to know this, to remember it. Um, what about the play? There years ago when Jordan didn't play for the Bulls anymore and there was a game-winning shot and, they, and Phil Jackson drew up a play and he still had an elite team. And they may have even been in the playoffs. I think it was a playoff game. They're in the playoffs. And the Bulls, Phil Jackson, who's you could be regarded as a top one of the top basketball coaches in the NBA history. And I think there's an argument for that, right? And he draws up a play for Tony Kukoc to take the game-winning shot and not his best player at the time, Scottie Pippen. You remember that? And, and, and we'll position this into the professional world. So imagine the 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 opposite spectrum of this right is that word juxtapose right the uh, the other side of this from from the complete opposite of what happened with Kyrie and KD is now Ku coach and Scotty Pippen so Scotty Pippen game winning shot Scotty Pippen's expecting to get the play drawn up for him but he draws it up for one of their best players player the best player, you know, one A and one B, right? Maybe Kukoc is one B, maybe he's two. It's not three, I don't believe. And Pippen gets so frustrated and upset about that that he doesn't even check into the game. He doesn't even check into the game. And he sits there and mopes on the end of the bench with bad body language. He could have been all laid out with a, you know, I could picture like a towel over his head, but I don't believe that to be a truth. But then it's okay. It's okay. Because that's that's when you sit there as a coaching staff and you say, man, we got, like, as a leader in any organization, we got a ways to go. We're not there yet. We're getting better. We're moving in the right direction. Or you get these significant things and you go, shit, we're not going in the right direction. Like, we're not even close. Like, this, we got, we got work to do. Ego, body language, communication, problem solving putting your ego aside, putting the shine on somebody else, letting them have that shine. How do you, how excited do you think KD was after Kyrie hit that shot? I bet you he was really excited, excited for him, excited for the team, excited for a rookie head coach that is new to the leadership position in that chair, been around basketball forever, but new to that chair and they win it as opposed to sitting on the end of the bench and not checking in because the play wasn't called for him. So what's that look like professionally? How can you take that sports story and position that for you, right? Like, allow there to be shine on other people. Allow people to have their shots and acknowledge, celebrate. Let people know that it's going to work. Ask them to support. Put your ego aside. How can I help you? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? How can I help you? What do you need and how can I help you? Like, those are the most powerful words we can say to one another as we build our teams. Put your ego aside. This is a great project. This is a great presentation. This is a great whatever. And it would be really good if so-and-so did it. It would be, or being that leader that says, hey, this has been really good. I, I'm glad we were able to present that, this, and this part of it really came from so-and-so, and they just really did a great job. And let them have their game-winning shot. And sit there and celebrate with them. Let them see their development and growth and um value and their contribution what's it matter right i i talk with uh you know somebody that you know it's it's okay it's okay to give that shine to somebody else um but it's also okay but you also you know you don't want to sit there and have people take that shine when when they didn't do any work right there's that thing of like you know give it to people that deserve it that earned it, that value it, that you're building. If you're a leader, build them, build them, build them, build them. It's not on you. It's not on the head coach calling the play. It's those place. It's those players sitting there saying, this is a good play coach. 
and I think so-and-so should take it. Cool. Just build your team. Build your team on with no ego, with no parking spot in mind and no bonus structure in mind, right? And those were really impactful things. We're closing in on 45 minutes. But as you build your teams, two great stories this week. Two great stories this week, right? And I know I hit on some things earlier where we're talking about, you know, being on that mountain alone. So I'm kind of wrapping up here on some of these bullet points, right? One of the things is, you know, you signed up for it. But understand, man, I'd, 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 I'd get that noise. Understand what winning is, where you're headed, where you're going, and how you're doing, and, and, and grade yourself every week, every day if you can. Are we getting closer? Man, people are going to, like, this isn't going well. We're losing games. People are tweeting. Th- like, I get it. But nobody, nobody's here every day. Nobody's in those conversations. Nobody's in those team meetings. Nobody's at that practice. Nobody's in that film session. Nobody's in that study hall. Nobody's sitting there seeing this guy buy in. Nobody's here to see us put the shine on other people. Right? So, like, that's, that's okay. You know it. Own it. And don't get too wrapped up in it. But understand, like, one day people will see. One day people will see. They, would, they, don't, they don't see it now. That's, that's okay if some don't. Others do. Others do. And the second one was, man, that, I, I love that story of, of Buzz Williams. And just own everything, value everyone. Own everything that's going on, value everyone, value every role, value every responsibility. And when things go sideways, you're the leader and you own it. Is Buzz, what did Buzz do that day, this past week? Buzz valued those managers. He didn't blame those managers. He didn't throw them under the bus. He made those guys feel that they were a part of the best program in the nation. Did they own it? Were they? If I had done that when I was a manager with the with the coach I worked for, I would have. Whew, that would have been a rough gig. That would have made me feel like I'm working for the wrong person at the wrong organization. That you want bad things. You hope he gets fired, etc. Right. Those guys probably sat back and said, man, I own it. We got our asses chewed. We deserved it. We messed up. But, man, do we work for the best person in the business. There's nothing I wouldn't do for that guy. And then what does the team say? Surely Coach addressed it with the team. So those players may not sit there at all. They, they may be blaming them too. They may be blaming the managers too. But they're sitting there saying, man, I actually play for the best coach. In the, look at how he did this. And then the fans. And then – you know, I'm sitting around rooting for AM. Like it's this this thing that just kind of builds just by a leader saying, Man, I messed, we messed up, I messed up, I'm gonna own it, etc. And then the last one was just the ego check. Own your ego, value the team, value the person. It's okay if somebody else gets the shine. It's okay if somebody hits a game-winning shot. It's okay to make sure that a new leader is doing a great job. Hey, this is gonna work, you're doing a great job. Understand that league's a player's league. If, if those two guys of Kyrie and KD don't want him to be the head coach, he's not going to be the head coach, right? And so making sure that he's valued and understood and uh, the shine's on him, right? So some really good lessons. There's, you know, I know it's very sports-centered and oriented, and a lot of our stories do come from that, but those are business-valued lessons. Those are team development, personal development lessons. Everybody wants some shine. It doesn't matter. The pat on the back the acknowledgement, the recognition, the value, the contribution, it doesn't matter. I'm closing in on 50, and I, I still like that. You know, I, I ran a meeting this week. It's the first time I've ran this type of meeting. Never run this type of meeting before, been present in them. But I facilitated it with a fairly large audience with some slides that I'm still grooming up and a presentation that is probably not lo- as locked in as it will be two to three weeks from now. And I ran it. And I thought it was okay. Like I, I don't, I like I don't roll out of everything. Say, man, that was an A plus. I thought my second podcast was just okay. And that's and that's okay, right? Um, and so when I got out of that meeting, I quickly got a message from a, 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 a gentleman that has some leadership and some juice and some power. Essentially, I, I don't love the word power, right? Saying great meeting, fantastic, great job, George. That's it. Cool. So I'm 50, and I still like that. 
Feedback's good. How can we make this better? How can we provide more value? What can we do to make your jobs easier, et cetera, right? That, that, that's my only, like, make sure I know that. Make sure that this meeting gets better, right? But that acknowledgement, right? It's the same thing. Everybody needs that. So the people that you're working with, own it. Put some shine on them, making sure they're valuable, making sure they're contributing, right? Everybody that's a part of your organization is key, is valuable to your outcomes of your Super Bowl. Super Bowl is winning a league, winning a game, getting getting shoes out the door, selling cars, whatever it is. Everybody, if you're a car salesman listening to this and there's somebody at the very end or if there's somebody that greets people, if there's somebody that signs the last documents, if there's somebody that does your finance, if there's and you get most of the shine because you sold X amount of cars, make sure all those people are valued. Make sure they all know they're contributing to the team's success to the organization's success, but to your success, et cetera. Making sure that when things don't go right, that it's on you, that it's not their fault. So build your army when so that when your people are working for you when you're not around is important, right? So listen, uh, I appreciate all the support of this podcast. We're at like 50 minutes again. I can't believe that I can take two, three little things and talk for 50 minutes, but this will fill your car ride if you're driving 50 miles away or 100 miles away, right? So listen, I appreciate the support. You can track me down on LinkedIn. It's clearly the best way. I'm also on Twitter. I'll po post these show notes. We're trying to release these every Tuesday and Friday. We're uh, going to probably get around to, uh, you know, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 10 episodes individually before we start bringing guests on. That's what I did in the past just to get kind of the numbers up and the uh, kind of the audience up a little bit. Please share this. Uh, I, you know, I had a friend this week send this to all a large group at his company. And I, I, I saw and I, he attached me to it. So I was able to see who, uh, who he sent it to. Not that any of that makes sense on who he sent it to, but it seemed it looked like it could have been a large audience. Like, I appreciate that. Appreciate that support. So anything you can do to share this with a link, uh, go to Instagram. Uh, I'm sorry, go to LinkedIn, get this and share it. I appreciate it. So listen, anything we can do, I'm looking to, uh, you know, go bigger this year. That was our word of the year. So I'll probably mention that in many of, if not most of our podcasts, if not all of them, um, but go bigger this year, set bigger goals, set, set things that make you embarrassed, set things that you're a little hesitant to talk to your friends about and just be great. And maybe you have an audience and a friendship and a group of people like I have where they hold you accountable to it. Maybe you're, maybe your group of people that you work with and that you're friends with and that you run with and roll with, maybe they think you have a next level of greatness in you and they're there to support you. But if you keep it in, if you don't put it out there, then they're, then you don't have that accountability to be great. Right. I run and roll with a crazy successful group of men, crazy successful coaches, you know, insurance people, people in the IT world, people in the finance world, crazy group, right? And they are capable of crazy good things, right? And we've got to make sure that we put it out there on what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do and have a group that holds you accountable to it because you can't be small. You got to be big, got to be big. 2023, nine days in, has got to be big. Continue to think big, continue to be around people to hold you accountable to the big things. And maybe that will be our next episode, right? We'll focus on being big in 23. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Appreciate all the support. I see the numbers going up with every episode um, and appreciate if this has any impact on you, your teams, your families, your coaching, your, your, your organizations, your sales department, whatever it might be. Hopefully this is having that level of impact um, and appreciate all the support that you've given to us. Thank you. Have a great rest of the week.